Welcome to the Point Noted Podcast with your host, Johnny B, and co-host who shows up whenever he wants to, former NFL player, Rashad Barksdale. It's raw, unfiltered, and no topic is off-limit. We talk sports, entertainment, culture, and a whole lot of random shit. Let's get to the point. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Point of the Podcast, and you're hanging out with your host, Johnny B. So and today, we got my favorite sport. Uh, that's what we're talking about today. So if you're listening, you know me, you know I'm talking about soccer. So uh, the guy on the show today uh, is a professional soccer player from LA Galaxy to FC Cincinnati, not to India 11. Uh, my man just out here living his dream and doing his thing, man. So I'm glad he's here so we can talk, uh, you know, growing up playing soccer, uh, you know, why why, why soccer? Why not basketball or baseball? You know, the journey from high school to college and college to the pros and, you know, just the whole journey of, you know, going from a kid to, uh, to an adult and being a professional soccer player. So uh, it will be a fun conversation. So kick back, relax, enjoy it. Uh, and let's get into it, man. So um, we got Kenny Walker on the house. Kenny, what's going on, my man? How you doing? How are you, my man? I'm doing well yourself. Not bad, man. Not bad. So, being a soccer junkie myself, I always love having uh, anyone that plays, watches, a fan, a fanatic in the game. I always love having them on the show just just to talk, just to pick the branch. So, I'm glad you're here and we can definitely have some fun soccer conversation. Um, uh, especially after talking to Kia, he, uh, he definitely uh, makes sure I heard everything that has to do with the game. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. He'll, he'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, uh, that I mean, talking to Kia was fun, but I told him we need to do more soccer talk because uh, we'll definitely talk more about growing up in life and just the support and the help that it gives to everybody. But uh, I get a feeling he has a lot more soccer to share, so I told him we got to do another one so uh, we can actually talk formations and talk strategy and training and development. Uh, it seems like you have a tons of knowledge in that. Um, but before we jump into all of that, um, so I'm just going to give a, uh, just a brief, um, introduction so people know who uh, I'm talking to. So I'm talking to Kenny Walker and he's currently a professional soccer player for Indy 11, uh, in Indiana, based in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, so Kenny, how'd you, uh, how'd you get into soccer, man? How did that all started out for you? Um, pretty much it wasn't, I wasn't crazy about it in the beginning but uh, I played baseball and all that stuff growing up until I was about seven and then uh, I had so much energy I got tired of staying in the outfield my parents had to find <laughs> something else for me to do right so uh, they just threw me into soccer and they they didn't know too much about it they just they saw you could run around and get a lot of energy out but uh, mm-hmm. it turned out that I was I was actually pretty good at it at a young age and mm. started pretty much Halfway through that first year I played, I was I got seen by a couple of coaches and they said I was pretty good at it. Soccer's hard though. So I mean yeah, obviously you gotta be a special talent because soccer's hard to play once if you don't start early. Like starting at seven, that's a, that's amazing to do that. Like I would never encourage any parent to let their kid wait that long to touch the ball. So you must you must just have an eye for the ball. Yeah, I mean I didn't I didn't know that that seven was a late age to start until I was older and people were, I heard people were starting at like two, three years old playing soccer. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I just gravitated towards it and I had a lot of very good coaches growing up and they helped me in so many different ways on and off the field. Right. What was the biggest adjustment going from baseball to soccer? Um, I think, it was more of like the team sport thing early on because like baseball is kind of, I mean, it's a team sport, but it's a lot of individual stuff that you just take care of on the field. Mm. And then on the soccer field, you got to work with 10 or 11 other players at the same time while you're playing. And right. I was very good at dribbling through everybody. So I didn't even pass the ball to begin with. <laughs> that is, dude, that is crazy. Dude. Like at seven to be able to say you started playing soccer at seven and you were good dribbling through it. Like I know 10 year old right now that has been playing since they were three and four and they still can't dribble past one or two guys. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I got, cause I coach U 16s, I coach U 11 and I coach uh, a college team. So for me to listen to that, and I know like I have a lot of U 16 that I have to still teach us how to dribble the ball and how to bring it down and trap and all of that. 
Like, dude, that that's amazing, man. To be able to say, oh, God, seven, I started playing and I was killing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty special. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it was a lot of God-given stuff from the beginning, but uh, right, it takes a lot more than just that to get to, like, professional and college and all that stuff, and that's where the coaches came in and helped me a lot. Right, right, right. When did you start out training with Kia? Um, I met Kia probably – he saw me playing probably around, like, 12 or 13. And then okay. I started like coaching with him or he started training me probably when I was 13 or 14. Okay. And I, I honestly haven't stopped since. And it's been about what, 15 or 16 years ongoing wow. that we're still working together. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Do you still go, do you still play uh pick up baseball? Do you still go out there and go to the batting cage and just knock the ball around? Anything like that? Yeah. I mean, uh, I got my old high school buddies back at home. That I try and see, back at home and then whenever I get back home there's always Kia he's always trying to challenge me to soccer tennis and all this stuff all the little games so <laughs> I right, got of course. Every time I'm back home right right where'd you grow up uh in a little town called Wycliffe Ohio it's a little, about 15 minutes east of Cleveland mm. how'd you uh how'd you end up going to uh Louisville uh did you get any um attention from Ohio State what was special about Louisville you went to Louisville um, for college, right? Yeah, I went to Louisville. I had a I had a decent amount of detention from all over the country, and uh, I had uh, the coach at Akron at the time left Akron, and Akron was very good, and he went to Louisville, mm-hmm. and uh, I gave him a verbal commitment saying that I just wanted to I wanted to play for him, so he said, "Come down to Louisville, check it out. If you like it, I'd love for you to come down here." So, and that was that. But it was. I think that was probably one of the better moves for me to go there because I got the chance to play all the time right. because he was all... starting out fresh there. Right, right. Was that close to home for you, Louisville close to home? Um, It was close enough, we'll say. It was about – it's about a six-hour ride south. Oof. But it was, it was close you can't, enough. You can't, you can't just go home anytime. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it was close enough that it was far enough away where I couldn't run home every weekend. Right, right, right. What was your backup? What was your backup option? If uh, if that coach didn't have a spot at Louisville, where would you have gone? Would you have stayed at Akron, or what was the other option? Um, I think there was a there's a couple different schools: Clemson, uh, I think Virginia Tech, maybe or Virginia, and then SMU down in Texas. Was a couple other okay. Ones. Oh, that's some nice um soccer schools right there. Do you guys have uh? Do you get to go back to Louisville? Do you guys do like alumni games where you get to go back? Do you get a chance to go back and participate in that, or they don't have that? Um, they haven't. We haven't. I haven't been able to do it yet. But they do it. Um, I think they've done it in the past. But they've built a new stadium since we left, and we've been asking them for about three or four years when they're going to get an alumni game. Right. <laughs> go right. Let the... play in the stadium. <laughs> you guys want to test it out. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at that at all, man. Test it out. Test it out. Uh, so let's go back to like, you know, why he was younger, right? So, you know, and, and this is obviously something that we're still going through in America when it comes to like youth soccer players and the kids. And you know what just happened with the DAs and all of that. Um, yeah. So when when you were playing growing up, did you, I mean, obviously she got, she got a little older in the teenage years and you got good at it. Uh, you start getting rumors and words in your ears and whispers about, hey, maybe you should join an academy team. Did you ever think about joining? Did you ever think about skipping college and just going straight to, uh, to the pros? Was was that ever an option? Yeah, I mean, that was, I think when I was younger and Kia grabbed me up, we had a somewhat of a special like kind of scenario up there in Cleveland where we had a bunch of different clubs. I mean, it still goes on today, but there was no academies back then. Mm. So we had a bunch of clubs and we took, we essentially took all probably top three or four players from each club and made one team. And we trained together for about five or six years. Right. Okay. So it was essentially academy before the academy started. And, mm. uh, I want to say probably from that group of players, there was probably like 30 of us or 25 of us that made it to either D1 or D2 college and then went on to okay. play pro after that mm. in some form or whatnot. So I don't, 
I don't I haven't heard too many scenarios like that, even with academies with that many players coming out of one group going professional. And we were kind of just doing it on a whim back then in the day. And Kia and a couple other coaches were pretty much behind all of it and running it, which was, I mean, he has a little bit of madness to his game and his methods, but uh, it's, it was good back then. And coming from a young kid, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just showing up playing soccer and learning everything I could. And looking back at it now, it was, I'm glad I went that route because I could have went other routes where I stayed and played with my friends at my club and right. maybe not got to the places where I needed to get to. Right. Do you think we need more of that, though? Like, do you think that's something that the country's missing a whole lot? Because I'm pretty sure that probably wasn't cost a lot of money for you guys to do doing that, being that you guys kind of just start doing it on your own. Um, but now if you want to get that competition and play with better teammates, you have to pay so much money. Uh, unless it, unless a DA club picks you up, then they cover all the suspenses. Um, you know, do you think we need more of, you know, like quality teams and quality leagues for youth? Because it, it's too watered down a little bit, right? And I'm involving the youth ranks out here, so I see it all the time. Uh, do you think there's something that's missing development of kids for us to start producing a lot more better youth players? Yeah, for sure. And I think I'm starting to see it more now as I'm getting towards the latter end of my career and right. looking at coaching is that I think the kids need to have, they don't need to be restricted by politics and like mm. money. And mm. I think that's a lot of what gets pushed into like the, even the DAs and stuff like that. They say it's all about the soccer and the kids, but if you look deeper into it, yeah, like, there's, there'll be kids there playing just because they know somebody that knows somebody and they're on the board of something. Right. And they'll right. have a, a phenomenal player that might not have those connections that has to pay the outrageous amounts of money and the family can't afford it at the end of the day. Right. Right. But it takes a lot of money to be able to play for a quality coach and a quality team. So I, mean, I guess the question then becomes where would the money come from to fund uh, a quality league or quality team and pay for the coaches uh, to be able to put the time yeah. in to train these kids, right? Yeah, I mean, it would take – I don't know how they – I think it, like where it needs to come from is the U.S. Soccer Federation, almost like the national team where they have – they need to put a big umbrella over everything and then just narrow it down from there and have almost – like they did the ODP with like regional teams, but it needs to be more specific than that where – they have maybe 20 teams or 20 locations across the country and you're mm. funneling certain kids in which way. But even at the youth age, like you need to start preparing. If we want to step up in years to come, we need to start preparing like the young kids to know that like you're playing for a professional spot right. in five, 10 years or 15 years. So like potentially you can become the next Messi or at 17, you're going to be stepping on the World Cup stage. Like, that's what right. Right. we don't understand as players at a young age here in America. Do you think we babying the players, though? Do you think we're just not being hard enough in them? Because you think about it, like, kids go practice for an hour and they send them home, like, you got to get off, you got to raise your leg. Or obviously you don't have the field to train all day if you don't live in a warm-weather state. Uh, but I feel like there's a lot of softness when it comes to training, how hard we push them how hard they train or how often they train. Do you think we just baby the players? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit of, it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's a, it's a, I think a tug of war effect. Like if you push players too much, then they say, oh, that's too much. But at the same time, like if you look across the world, like there's players that play in the street from sun up to sundown, and that's the training right. they came from. And that's how they right. learn to play the game. Right. But I don't know. I think... If and we don't have that luxury here, right? Because you can't just send your kids outside to go play without worried about them being kidnapped or, uh, you yeah. know, or having something bad happen to them. So we don't have that luxury, which is why players almost need to have a coach for them to play, which also restricts development, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's those are the limitations we face here in America and whatnot. And, like, it's sadly, that's what strict that it strickens the kids play but at times like you we need to figure out something a way around that problem to let kids be able to play as much as they want because like when I was young I played I mean I'm thankful for my parents but like they would take me they would literally drop me off at the training facility after school's indoor place in Cleveland because it was cold so but right. I would be there from like 
five thirty or six until eleven o'clock at night until it closed and just play for five, six hours straight, like pickup yep. game. Yep. Right. So but like, we don't have that no more though. Like I can tell you for sure on my side uh of the country is there is no place to just drive kids off and they play. Because for the facility will not let them do it unless because they have to charge money for you to use it. And when you are using it, do you have enough kids to play with? And if there's only one or two kids, then the kids don't want to play and they start playing water guns and walls and other silly games, right? So again, there's a lot of hindrances there. And I guess like you said, what is the Federation doing and what are we doing to fix all those things? Yeah. And that's I mean, I don't know. That's I think that's the fun one of the fundamental things that's wrong with I think soccer in America is we don't have the basis of finding or building up our kids. Right. And that's where that's where it starts. We're not gonna have I feel like soccer's waiting for the next LeBron James or the Messi to come out of America and be a soccer player. Right. And I don't think I mean unless you create that environment, you're not gonna you're not gonna find that. Yeah. Like if you talk to LeBron or Messi or all the top players that play any sport, you can tell them like they're up at the park every day nonstop shooting the basketball or right. playing football, all that. Like there was no right. limitations on how much they could play. Right. All day long. Yeah. All day long. I had a kid when I used to live in Jersey. Uh, I was in high school then. And there was this kid that used to walk around the neighborhood right around four. School's over. He went home, dropped his book bag, have a lunch or whatever he needs. And he leaves. And I see him dribbling the basketball down the street. And eventually I asked my neighbor, I said, man, this kid always dribbling the ball down the street every single day. And he said, yeah, his parents won't let him stay in the house until it's dark. So you got to go train. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I don't know his name, but I won't be surprised if he's out there playing either overseas or in the D League or in the NBA. I don't know. But it was dedication. Literally, it was every single day after school. You can hear him bouncing the ball all the way down to the park. And you don't hear that ball bouncing until it's dark and he's going back home. Uh, hopefully, hopefully get his schoolwork done. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and then it makes sense to play a ball because that's another thing with America is you can't. You can't play ball if, if your grades are not good. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's none of that matters. Uh, but anyway, so so you end up going from Louisville, got drafted in the MLS, NOLA Galaxy. What was that like? How was that journey? What was that like? Um, it was pretty crazy, actually, even the, the draft process. Because, um, like, it's it's pretty much set up like every other draft in the, in America. But, it's like, you don't have the signing bonuses and all that stuff that, like, is life-changing. Like I signed to LA, I was I think I was the last pick in the second round, but I signed out to LA, and I think I still had to go into preseason and fight for a spot. So it wasn't like right. I signed and I was a professional player that day. Right, right. But uh, I was walking into probably one of the probably the best club in the league for the past two or three seasons, and mm. I mean we had David Beckham, Landon Donovan. Uh, Robbie Keane showed up that season um, okay. and just a list of like old veteran professional MLS players that were wow. already there. So, I mean, it was, it was crazy going there and then playing with those guys and making the squad. And the four years I was out there was pretty, it wasn't eye opening at, at the end, but like in the beginning, it was like the mentality of, that we had it at Louisville because we had a good team at Louisville. The mentality that we had like on game day was every day there for training. And you could tell it was like, yeah, as a professional. And it was like 35 year old men, like playing like they're 18 year old kids. And like, you don't see that anywhere mm. before until you get to the professional ranks here in America. Like we, like I've never seen that before. Like you play men's league on like Saturdays and stuff like that. And you can, it's a little bit different, but you don't see or you don't play against like grown men until you get out of college, unless you're right. professional. Right. And, and so, what was that like? What, what was the biggest difference in that? Was it the size, the uh, the pace, the smart? What What did you notice playing against those grown men? It was. I think it was like the collective altogether. I mean, obviously they were a little bit more athletic and faster. Just that transition period, of course, right in throws, but like with having David and the top class players from like around the world there, it mm -hmm. was their mentality was like night and day difference from like the American players to the foreign players. Right. And that was one of the, 
like David's mentality and a couple of the Brazilians mentality. Like it was, you could tell that you, they had a different upbringing different and level. Right. A, a reason for playing the game. You could tell they fought for it for like their life. Right. All their lives. That, right. Yeah. And that's one, that's one thing I think in America, the one thing in America is hard to replicate is that like you can play soccer, but like you don't have to, like you're not fighting for it as a child. Like, you want to be the best player, but you want to support your family by playing this game. Right, right, right. And and that's the way that kids that play baseball, kids that play football, and kids that play uh, basketball. That's how they actually approach it, right? With yeah. the mentality and the dream of being professional uh, basketball players and, soccer and um, football players. But I don't really hear a lot of it when I go to these youth games and these um, places where a kid talk about being a professional soccer player. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty sad, but there's no reason why some of these kids here, you know, at this grassroots cannot be thinking about how far can I go? Yeah. Right. So being in LA, so who was your favorite player? Who's your favorite teammate when you were out there? Um, watching, like actually playing with and watching was uh, David Beckham. I grew up watching him and all that stuff. So like going out there to actually play with him was like pretty much dream come true. And like he was probably my favorite player playing, but like player wise, like personality and friends and all that stuff. Uh, it was one of my roommates that I had for about two or three years out there, Brian Gall. Hmm. And me and him just clicked. We were, he was from Chicago and we actually played against each other in college and we went through all the rookie season stuff together. And then we won a couple championships and we still talk to each other through, nice. through everything. So it was, it's fun. We, I got a bunch of, great relationships over the years with the turnover of players and stuff like that. But it's, it's nothing like going through everything you're going through and then being there, somebody with you in the exact same boat going through it with you. Right. If you end up in a different, a different club that didn't have all the mega stars and all the world-class players being bought over in LA, you think MLS career would have gone different because you were with the galaxy for a couple of years, uh, loan few times, and then you eventually left. You think it would have been different if another team had picked you up and not Galaxy? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was – that's why, like, in, in the draft where I got drafted, because I was supposed to – the rumor was I was supposed to go around, like, 10 or 12 spots, but I was supposed to go to, like, Toronto or D.C. or Columbus, one of the Eastern teams that they were good, but I could actually have, like, a realistic chance of fighting for Consistent. a start, starting spot. Right. And then – Something happened, the player fell off, and then the order got messed up. But I think if I potentially could have got out and played in more games in the first, like, year or two of my career, I probably would be – I would think I would like to say I would still be in the league playing. Mm. But, like, it was it was so hard to break into – like, my first that year was David – yeah, it was David's last year, and then – they had two Brazilians in there running for David to help him, like help, so he didn't have to do as much running. And then they were there right. still for another three years after David left. But yeah, yeah been, I think about that from time to time. But I don't, I don't think I'd change it just because of the experience and experience. just like, like when you hear other players talk about them being at like not the smaller clubs, but without the superstars and stuff like that, they don't have that mm-hmm. experience of knowing what they've been through a little bit or experiencing like the stardom of Beckham or the, he just, the morale that he brings from all the stuff that he's done in the past. And then the unbelievable stuff that he does while you're there training with him. Hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I look at that roster and I was like, man, that's a, that's a tough roster to break into, especially to spend all that money on those big stars that come in. Uh, but like you said, though you you know the experience of just being there and learning from the best, uh, that that has a lot. That says a lot. So uh, I can I can definitely see that. Um, but you had a chance to stay though. You had a chance to stay in the MLS after you left Galaxy and you went to FC Cincinnati, uh, and then they went from the USL to the MLS. Um, you had a chance uh, to stay with the team, but you didn't want it to. What happened there? Um, it was a, they were. Like, we had talks and stuff like that. I mean, we had – they told us before they even uh, were going MLS that they were probably thinking about keeping half of the USL team and then okay. picking up. So, they were gonna be, there was going to be a big changeover. And then 
as it got closer to the end, the number started going down and the under decided to keep, I want to say like six or seven, but they brought, they brought me aside and pretty much told me they were saying that in, in the harsh ways that I wasn't good enough and they were going to find somebody to play my position and then I would be second or third string. And mm. I've, I've already been there at LA and the reason I left LA was I wanted to play the game again and actually play. play. Right. And I told them, I was like, I know I can play in the, the league. I've been there before. I've seen it. We've played against the teams in the league, but tell them at the end of the day that I don't, I'm, that's not where I'm at in my career. I want to still play this game and enjoy playing it. I'm not ready to go back to being a training player and a reserve. Right. right. So I think that was ultimately that was about a better decision for me is to leave. I mean, I don't know. I just, I had so much fun coming from LA, going to Cincinnati and having the ability to play week in and week out. And right. you were there for what, two years? Yeah, we were there for three years, and the group that started it, that came that first year, there was probably about, I want to say, 16 of us that were coming off of that same scenario. So right. everybody was, like, just happy to play and enjoyed playing the game, and we had so much fun just enjoying the game like we were little kids again. Right, because you guys were the reason why they really started thinking about going to the MLS, right? I mean, I think you guys, that was it. Three years ago, you had that phenomenal season where it was all over ESPN. Yeah, and I mean, we we talked about it the first year when we were like, yeah, maybe this would be cool if we can go MLS, but like, there's no way we're going to be here when this club goes MLS. You don't do that that fast. <laughs> uh, right, help them get there and then get left behind, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's bittersweet. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm happy for the club. I still talk to people and in, in the organization and everything, so, but Hopefully, I mean, I can get back there soon, and maybe I'm still playing. But if not, I can give back to the club in different ways. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, I know you mentioned, you know, career coming to a to an end soon, and you definitely looking into coaching. Uh, how hard have you been thinking about that, and where do you think you would like to start? Um, I've actually been thinking about that for the past like. I'm going to say two years, not about retiring, but about how I want to go about coaching at which level. And I don't know. I'd like to be able to, the one thing, I mean, this sounds harsh because I've seen it. I see it happen even when I was coming up playing and like I would see it and just be like, man, that's rough is I would love to be able to avoid dealing with parents. (laughs) Mm. But um I would really like to coach at that age of like anywhere from nine to like 13 or 14. Like it's almost like that prime development stage where you can push them fitness wise a little bit, but you can also teach them everything and they will absorb it if they want to. Mm. But, and then, but then I also want to stay, it would be nice to stay in the professional ranks where, you have players that are driven that know week in, week out, like I have to bring everything. You have to bring it again. Right. Yeah. Right. So it was- right. And, right. And I mean, obviously that's possible because when you play the level you played, um, it's a lot easier to get coaching gig, you know, um, I mean, even just getting your license alone. I mean, you got to skip all the, a, uh, the E's and the F's and the D's and the C's. You can probably go straight to uh, a or B. Uh, yeah. I was talking to, talking to a buddy of mine that, uh, uh, his assistant at Columbus Crew, uh, and he was telling me, he said, you know, you need to go get all your licenses if you're thinking about coaching at a higher level one day, because that's one thing that would at least get you uh get you get get you get looked at by the other teams was if you have uh, at the least your uh, what do you say my B, I think it said if I have my B, he said at least I'll be able to get calls and people will talk to you. Uh, yeah. So and that's me not having an MLS background, and so imagine with your background, definitely uh. Uh, it would be an easy thing, and that's probably something you should definitely look at uh, very hard and very likely. Uh, but you, you can't you can't avoid the parents, bro. I mean, yeah, <laughs> as long as you're coaching those little guys, the parents are going to be there. You yeah, know, no. I, mean, I don't, I don't. That's the one thing I would love to do, but at the same time, like you, you also learn so much from the parents just from doing like individual yeah. coaching. I've already done so far that right. Right, and and those are the best, right? The, the one-on-ones, those are the best. Or the one-on-twos with the kids, 
because the parents understand what they're getting out of it. So there's no question about playing time, right? It's all about training. Yeah. So absolutely. I had a I had a parent actually ask me, why is my kid playing defense? It doesn't play defense. You know, uh, it's like, why, I mean, the, before the season started, she actually came to me and said, Coach, uh, my son doesn't like playing defense, even though he played defense uh, for the JV team. He, the coach just put him back there, but he hates it and I hate it. I said, okay. Uh, and then we had a game where I just didn't uh, take my defender out just for a breather. So I said, all right, let's put him in the back. I know he can handle it just for a couple of minutes. The kid is smart and the kid just want to play. He doesn't care if it's a goalie, a winger. It doesn't matter. The kid just wants to play. So he's like, kid, look at him and say, coach, I'll go in. I, I can fill in for a few minutes. I said, you know what? Go ahead. So I put him back there for like a couple of minutes. The next day, the next morning, I got an email from his mom <laughs> uh, saying, coach, I noticed that my son was playing defense yesterday. He doesn't play defense. He hates it back there. And I'm thinking to myself, no, the kid loved to play. You hate it back there because you want him to play midfield and forward because that's where the glory comes from, uh, yeah. you know, because the goal comes and all of that good stuff. So, so I, I get it, but – um, I don't know. I mean, if you coach a team, it's, it's tough, bro. Like, parents are always going to be in your ears. And I think the college level is different because you're on your own. The parents don't want to get involved. Uh, yeah. But the clubs, man, it's it's tough, man. So um, so how do you like Indy 11, man? How do you like living in Indianapolis? Uh, that's where you are now. It's your second year coming up, right? Yeah, I mean, we enjoyed it a lot. We're, we're actually, right now, we're currently moving to Louisville temporarily just because of the coronavirus stuff and all that, but we just had our firstborn about three three months ago. Oh, so congratulations. We, thank you. We got a bunch of family down there, and the wife wants to make or let the little girl grow up around her cousin and stuff like that. So okay, down there for a little bit, and then I'll be making a drive up here to play every day or every week. Oh, that's not bad. What is that, a two-hour drive, two to three? Yeah, it's about two – like a little under two, you can make it, but it's not too bad. Okay. But oh yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Um, so it, when the season start and you have to train uh, almost almost probably every day, that's gonna be a little hard making that drive. Are you gonna be staying in Indy for some days? Yeah, I think I've talked with the coach and staff already. We might like we usually have one day off a week, and most of the time it's like Wednesday. So um, might figure out how to do like uh, drive in on Monday and then stay Tuesday. Or right. driving Monday, train Monday, stay Monday night, train Tuesday, and head back home on Wednesday, and figure out okay. some kind of schedule like that. So it's not so much driving load. Yeah, you don't want to. You want to be exhausted and not able to do all your running that you're doing that midfield. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I know, right? I mean, speaking of midfield, what's the what's the position that you think helps you the most to transition into midfield? <sighs> I would say. I would say I want the, the center back position. Center back, okay. I mean, Why the, is only, that? the only the only hard part for me is that like when you're on the because I played pretty much everywhere besides striker throughout my career and in college or whatnot. Center back, you can always see the entire field, and mm -hmm. if you for a midfielder that when I've moved back there and you can see the entire field, it it makes the game so much easier. You don't got to worry about people being behind you unless you're defending. Right, but. As you move into the midfield, the only thing is, like, if you can if you can keep that mindset of you can see the whole field, but you have to pick your head up and look, that's where I say that's the only – that's the, probably the only hard transition part is moving from that center back position where you can see everything and then you go into the midfield and you, your time and your space is restricted, but you have more options as the center midfielder, and that's probably my – favorite part is that there's no limitations in the directions that you play. You can go back, left, right, diagonal, or you can get really close, really far right. away. And you have all that. But I don't know. That's for me, that's probably the easiest one to transition from midfield to defense or even center back defense to midfield. And then yeah. the strikers are, you got to have a, you got to have a nose for goal or you got to have almost a, it's a different, type of I want to not not all striker musicians but like a true nine or a true ten is a different type of whole thing altogether that's probably mm -hmm. one of the hardest ones is the nine ten role 
Yeah, I mean, your your whole job is to score. So if you're not scoring, you're not playing. <laughs> yeah. I sure. mean, that, that that that's what I tell every striker for that I have. I said, listen, hustle, run, do all of that. At the end of the day, if you're not scoring, uh, we have to question your job up front. But if you're doing something else, like you're hustling and winning the ball back, we may leave you up there. But you got to do something. <laughs> yeah. You can't just be out there just filling in space. No, 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 we're not doing that. You got to be out there. If you're a striker, I need shots and go. Uh, you know, I mean, we need a lot of things. So, yeah. I mean, and, you know, but I think midfield is the easiest, in my opinion, man. Your responsibility is a lot more lighter. You just got to make sure you're close enough. But, uh, yeah, and defense is just tough, man, especially when you're those wingbacks, man. Those, those fast guys coming at you from the wings. Yeah, if, you, uh, if you're not fast, that's that's one that that one position that's changed the most over the time that I've started playing till now is the outside back position because if you're not fast nowadays like you're going you're going to be in trouble you're, yeah <laughs> you're, you're done you're going to get up and down and then somebody's <laughs> going to run past you <laughs> they're going to cook you they're going to cook you man it's a lot of fast guys out there and and that's what coaches do if they see how fast you are they throw you on the wings right away oh he's yeah. fast put him on the outside just send those long balls <laughs> and have him chase it down and as a midfielder right as a midfielder are you more are you more interested in just knocking the ball around and finding the right gaps to play the ball? Because you said earlier, picking your head up, but are you looking to get it and finding whoever's up top if I can get him along while I'm sending it? How do you feel about that? Yeah, like I like, for me personally, like I'll, I love like being able to play and consistently doing that stuff. But also like my favorite team to watch is Barca over the past like six or seven years. But I'm mm-hmm. also like you always have to know that you need to be able to look in behind. And that's one thing I think that, not coaches, but players, they have, like, that skewed view of, like, you want to play like Barca, but Barca never kicks the ball in behind. Like, right. Barca will kick the ball in behind if you give them the space to run in behind, and they will play it there every single time. Of course. Right. As well as you should. Yeah. If you give somebody space, they should play that ball. Yeah. But the the only reason there's not that much space is because people respect them, not too much, but they respect them enough to drop their lines to leave that space. Right. Not, back up. Like, yeah, that's not there for them. So, but yeah, I like to, I mean, I like to knock the ball around and make the team move and chase a little bit, but also like you got to be able to change it up and have that direct ball every once in a while, or at least uh, even if it's not a, a ball in the air, it's a 10, 15 yard ball on the ground that breaks Absolutely. through the midfielders that's and even the defenders. Absolutely. What's your favorite formation? Um, I like the three five. I like the three five two with. Of course, you're a midfielder. Of course. Yeah, I know. I I don't know. <laughs> I like a three five two, but I also I do enjoy a three, a three four three with a diamond close in the middle. Okay, a diamond in the middle. Okay, three four yeah, three. You just gotta have the right players for the formation. But if you can do a three five two with wingers that stay high. And almost play uh, a three-three, what six? Yep. Yeah, you're you're good to go. <laughs> no, I mean that's really that's what you want. Like I'm all about attacking soccer. I feel like you know that's what make Barcelona and Liverpool so great because you, they always pin you back. They make you worry about them. They're not worried about you. Yeah. Right. So I hate that four-four-two formation. I mean, nothing's wrong with it, uh, but uh, it just. They just feel like if you don't have the right type of players, that's the one thing that everybody just wants to play. It's, it's, yeah. it's, the, it's the safe choice, so I get it. Uh, but so it's safe to say you are a Barcelona fan. That's that's your team? Uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up watching Manchester United and, like, David and all those guys back in the day. But, like, since Ferguson's left, it's been hard to watch them over the Smart past. guy. Smart <laughs> guy. I'm a, I'm a United fan as well, so uh, – <laughs> Yeah, that's that's great. You know, it's funny. I was testing my buddy, he's a United fan, and I was like, "Listen, man, I just sent you know contacts over to get Marcus Rashford on the on the podcast." And he was like, "Yeah, you get him on. I'm gonna be a co-host for that." I'm like, "No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah, just listen. If he comes on, just listen." So yeah, no, I'm I'm a United fan as well. So uh, definitely excited having you know Paul comes back and hopefully uh, it helps. Doesn't break the team. Yeah, no. I mean, you know. Somebody, they just need to figure out how to not just keep him happy, but like he needs to, he needs to be able to have his free role. 
But I don't yeah, know. but I mean, but there's there's only two guys who's ever had a free roll in the last yeah. ten years. That's Messi and that's CR seven. So, and those guys give you fifty goals every single year. So you really you want to you want a free roll, but you have to do more. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I'll give you a free roll, but not for ten goals a year. Yeah, you know what not, I mean. Like, not, not at that club. You can't have the free roll, and I think that's where you gotta be. Lies. You gotta be the best in the world, and you get that free roll. Like, if Messi yeah. comes to United today, please let that man do whatever he wants. Yeah. You know, because you you still guaranteed to get thirty plus goals every year. That's when you get a free roll. Yeah, you know. So that's my only problem with him. But hopefully, he's had enough time to kind of come down a little bit and give us a lot more. Uh, yeah. So, give me your top five soccer players right now. Currently? Mm-hmm. Um, I like, well, Ronaldo, Messi. Um, I would love to say Xavi, but I know he's not playing anymore. Uh, right. Iniesta. Nope, um, not playing. I know. All right, let me see. Let me see. Top three. Marcelo. Marcelo, the left back? Yeah, I love, I love watching that man play. I mean, I know he's getting up there in age and stuff, but that's my man. Um, I've actually been watching the new kid um, for Dortmund up top. Can't forget that name. Yeah. He's going to be something in about two or three years. Yeah. He's gonna, Whenever he makes his jump to whatever it's club he goes to. Yeah, Madrid. And then, uh, yeah. Um, I would say Hazard, but he hasn't been since he left Chelsea. He's not the same player. No, it's kind of hard when you when you get fat when you, when yeah, you put on when you put on twenty pounds of fat. It's kind of hard to do anything with the soccer ball. <laughs> it's true. You know? but... Yeah, did you hear they said he uh, he was eating cheeseburger pretty much every day? What? Yeah, that's what it was. Just eating cheeseburger every day. That's it. I mean, that time I went and see him play when it came to. Uh, uh, Jersey against um was it Atletico? Yeah, and he, oh, I yeah. can tell. It was, I can tell. I was at that game. They got they got beat down, uh, and yeah, I can tell he was fat. I'm like, this is one fat ass man. This is, you know, I was like, got to drop like a good twenty pounds to get in soccer shit, and he did after he got hurt. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but so you're saying Messi, Ronaldo, Holland, Marcelo, and maybe Hazard is your fifth. Yeah, I'll give it to him for right now. So what about <laughs> what about Saidomain, Mo Salah, Van Dijk, Lewandowski, uh, Mbappe, uh, Kevin like, De Bruyne? I like them. It's just I feel like I've been watching, not watching them for too long, and they've been doing the same things that I tend to. I know Marcelo, Messi, Ronaldo are in there. They've been around a while, Hazard. But I don't know. Uh, it's hard to pick a, a player from Liverpool. I mean, I know they've been amazing for the past, I want to say, three or four seasons, and same with Man City. But it's hard being a United fan and picking those guys out. But for me, like over the past like four, maybe six years, with Barca mm-hmm. and that crew in the midfield, it's hard finding like players that play that style again. Right. Like they have a team that they just they had their system and they ran it to perfection. And then you have Messi; he just does his thing sitting back there. Right. But, yeah. Huh? No, there's, yeah. There's a lot of great players to choose from, and I mean, you can learn if you watch. One thing that I would say for kids is, I tell them this all the time: like, go ahead and find a player and watch them but then like go find somebody else somebody new that's coming up or that you haven't seen maybe they played in the past and you can still learn stuff from watching them just youtube videos or games and stuff and you'll learn something different from every different player around the world very true very true um so now that we got your top five of the guys currently playing give me your top five of all time the top five players of all time in your opinion and please yeah. don't say Pella because you are not yeah. old enough to appreciate Pella. I had a I had a twenty two year old on the show <laughs> telling me Pella was his top five, and I wanted to slap him. <laughs> There's I no wanna... way in hell Pella is your top five. If you if you under forty, no Pella cannot yeah. be your top five. I know I've, I've never. It's sad to say, but I've never seen him play. And same with 
Maradona. I've only seen like video clips and stuff like that. But right, I'd say my top five is Sudan, Ronaldinho, okay. uh, mm. Ronaldo, not Cristiano, okay. the Ronaldo Brazil. The phenomenon, um, right? Messi's up there. Mm. And Xavi, Barca. And Xavi, wow. I'll, 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 say, um, I'll, I'll give Henri uh, a six. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you just missed that up, man. I should just end, I should end this on that note because there's no way Henri's in there. Come on. <laughs> it was nice, no. but not that, not that nice. Yeah, I definitely I don't have on a deal on my five either. I, I think it was fun, but I think he uh he messed it up and wasn't consistent enough to to end up in it. But he's, I'll put him in the top ten for his impact in the game. Yeah. Uh you know, and the dominance he had. And he, he changed the game a lot. But I think if that man not taking it serious, uh, he probably could have been one of the top five all the time to play. But I definitely agree with Messi's in there, CR sevens in there, Zidane is in there. Uh, Maradona is in there because I think I see enough of him, enough tapes, not black and white, uh, yeah. like like what they have for Pele to to put him up there. So, uh, and then of course I, you know, I uh, I have to put one of my uh, Manchester United players in there. So you know I always throw uh, uh, throw Ryan Giggs in there, just throw him in there. Yeah, uh, yeah, put him in there. I think one of my favorites, and I know a lot of people overlooked him was Skulls. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. 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 Hey, remember um what's his name? You know, all nine, like you said, all nine is great. So yeah. all nine probably going there, not geeks. All nine going there. And I mean that old um with Madrid team, man, they had everybody on that team. So you can literally go through the list and start throwing guys in the top ten, like Roberto Carlos and all those guys. Yeah, man. Um so no man, hey Kenny, really man, appreciate you coming on. It was it was fun to, to talk soccer and just kind of talk going up playing the game. Uh, you know, I I definitely think you know once you once you jump into coaching, I think it'll be fun, man. You probably make a lot of impact on this kid's life. Um, I, I think it's you know younger guys like you and I, uh, having played and still playing and seeing the game a little different. I think we definitely bring something different to the game than some of these older guys do. So, and you think about it, soccer is the only sport where. You know, these kids are being trained by guys that didn't play, uh, parents that didn't play, parents that I didn't play since fifth grade. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, so it's really difficult for these kids to learn when you're being taught by people that don't understand the game. They go on YouTube and find a drill and show it to you. Um, and, and the kids don't do nothing else after that. So I think having people like you eventually transition into coaching and a lot of the young adults that actually play to a higher level, I think it's great. Um, I think it's great for this country. I think it would be good for our development. Uh, but like we said all along this conversation, is it has to be a lot more discipline, and we probably have to turn a little harder and more often just to kind of fall in line with the way the basketball guys do, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's. I think one thing we got to learn though, it's gonna, it's not gonna be like a five or ten year thing where it's gonna change. It's gonna be probably a few. I want to say maybe a generation. Like our kids, mm. kids might be that generation that makes that real jump, but it's gonna. It's but let me ask you though, why do they wait ten years? You don't think we can grab the top fifty players in this country right now and train them for a year or two, and they can't compete? I'm talking about. I'm not talking like fourteen. We can find some really badass sixteen, seventeen year olds that are extremely good. Don't need to go to college, right? Or so many DAs put them somewhere and just train them for a year or two of competitive high level training. You don't think they can be ready to like change the game for, for America? Like I think they can, but can they get the training consistently for two years? Yeah. I mean, you can always do that. I think that's one thing because like, I got draft, not drafted, but down to the national team. And it's, it's something like that where they took 30 or 40 of the best kids and put them down residency in Florida hmm. for two years. And, we literally just trained and played games and go around the world and play games and whatnot. But like, it turns out that like it works, but it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't have a foundation. And I think mm, that's I what America needs. And that's where like the time factor is going to come in. Like, if you want to go ahead and 
like say the 20, this next World Cup or the World Cup after, if you want to get a team ready for that, you can go grab, like go grab a list of 40 players and like these are the 40 players I want right now. And we are training. I don't know how you do it, but you got to put them together and train, play games over the next six-year time frame or four-year time frame and have them prepared for that World Cup in four years. But I think that will be the time that, like you can have that done, but then at the end of it, where's the you don't have the foundation for the next group, unless you're consistently doing that over and over and over again. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. And do we want to invest and put money into it? Um, that that's the biggest question is you know putting money into it. And I have no problem with the uh, uh, with some of these foreign born players that are getting called in because at the end of the day they're still Americans and that's all that matters. So. Um, yeah. You know, I hear a lot of women say, oh, why do they keep getting all this fine play? Well, because a lot of them are actually good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's what we need, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you play the ball. If, I mean, if you're good enough and you can play MLS and you can survive here and then make and make an impact on the national team, fair enough. Yeah. But fair enough. You, you just got to go out there, right? Yeah. You know, if you, get, if you get an invite, just go out there and show your stuff. And if your stuff is good enough, they're not going to turn you down. No. Mm-hmm. Right, they can't send you home. They gotta give you a ticket to the next flight. Let's go. Let's, let's go yeah. to the next World Cup or whatever it is that you have to go to. So, but anyway, what you got going on for the weekend, man? Any any big plan? Uh no, just relaxing. Maybe the uh, baby. Yeah, I got the baby, but we might go down to where her parents have a lake house somewhere in Kentucky, like an hour off of Louisville. So okay, we might head down there this weekend. Get a little nice. bit of R and R. Absolutely. Always important. Always needed. Thanks for joining me, my man. I appreciate this conversation, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time out. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. All right. Absolutely. We'll do it again. Thank you. All right. Bye. You've been listening to the Point Noted Podcast with Johnny B and Rashad B. Follow us on Twitter at PT Noted and Instagram at Point Noted. Hit the subscribe and follow button to follow us and check out more episodes of us talking a whole bunch of shit. You've been noted.